Welcome to Chapels from Rosedale Bible College. Thanks for joining our community for weekly chapels recorded on our campus in Rosedale, Ohio. We hope you are challenged and inspired by what you hear. Enjoy. Well, Matt had a couple siblings that were uh, forerunners of his uh, employment at the Dutch Kitchen, and I should tell you that... uh, it was a real uh, trip to have Matt come after uh, having had uh, his two siblings that were so great and so uh, uh, well-versed in their work, and then to have Matt come and uh, have to corral him every once in a while. Um, well, I think you started this conversation, so... <laughs> No, it's always a pleasure to uh, be at Rosedale, and this morning is no exception. Uh, 1986, I spent the winter term here, and, um, and prior to that, I had been uh, in the community quite a bit uh, through mutual connections between, it was this thing that we had with the church I was a part of in Indiana, and uh, we had connected with Shiloh Youth Group, and... Uh, Eventually, uh, like you alluded to, uh, we, Brenda and I ended up moving out here. So uh, just by way of introduction, uh, this is my family. Maybe you can show that picture. So uh, uh, my son and daughter and then their uh, spouses and uh, most importantly, Ophelia is on my lap. And then Eloise is in the middle and Blaine is on the, uh, on the left there joys of our life to not just have kids, but I'll tell you, when you get to pushing 60 and you end up with a couple grandkids, it's pretty amazing. Um, Oh, we can't miss Oscar. Our our third child there is Oscar. (laughs) Oscar is a a little 10-pound Havanese that um, he forgets and we forget that he isn't an actual boy. And so many times we refer to him as our third child. He's probably uh, better behaved as a third child than our kids were uh, when they were his age at four years old. So there's that. Um, as Matt said, um, I've had a variety of experiences, and I, I, I haven't given this talk uh, very often, and it's been a long while since I've considered what is informed? Like, I'm always thinking, whenever I'm preaching on the weekend, I'm always thinking about what is informing this conversation? What is informing this talk? And what are the experiences I'm drawing from? And uh, very often, I go back to, uh, because I'm not so far removed from running businesses and, and doing that sort of thing, I go back to my very first job, which I, I tried to figure out, like, was it a busboy at a local restaurant, or was it a farmhand, and I think they kind of sat, happened at the same time. So like at 13 years old or whenever I was old enough to, did we do your work permit when you worked for us, by the way? Like the Ohio Department of Labor was always kind of the back of my mind when you young kids started working, so I hope we did. Uh, uh, when I started working, there was no such thing as a work permit. We just kind of jumped in and did whatever was asked of us, you know, at that point. So, uh, but I started as a busboy, and then I had to think about what did I learn as a busboy? Clearing tables at a local restaurant. And there were some basic principles, work ethic principles that were built into my paycheck, 
Like if you're going to get a paycheck, and by the way, my parents took it all except for $2 of an allowance that I got. So you know I was probably making about 50 cents an hour or something like that when I started that first job. And today you all get to go to a fast food joint and start working there for $15 an hour, which is pretty amazing. A busboy to a farmhand, uh, I was a factory worker. Um, I, uh, and trust me when I tell you, I wasn't real good at some of these things. That's why I didn't last too long in some of these things. But they didn't feel, feed my soul. And eventually, uh, you get to a place where you want to do the things that actually feed your soul. But I'll tell you that everything that I did was always informing my future. It was always informing who I am today. I didn't know that then. But today, in retrospect, I do know that. So I was a factory worker. I, I did construction for a while. Um, I have sold, in, I, I was in sales, and I've been selling in various capacities for most of my adult life. Uh, see, sometimes you're selling things when you don't even know you're selling. You're doing your job, and you're actually uh, representing a company, and perhaps you're just in purchasing. I was in purchasing for a company at one point, purchasing supplies and purchasing equipment. And I wasn't in the sales department, but my representation of the company actually served to help the company sale, sell what, what we were selling. Um, I was in purchasing, like I said. Um, I, I then ended up in, back in the food service. So I was a busboy, but then left, obviously, as I worked through life. I did a variety of different things. And then I ended up back in the food service industry out here in Ohio. I was in, uh, I did prison ministry. I did a stint in prison. That's a dumb joke, right? Everybody uses that one, but I was in prison for a year. So I prison ministry for a year, and then I, at the end of that time, I got to know, I had gotten to know some people out here uh, with the Der Dutchman Company, the Dutch Corporation, and I ended up moving here, and uh, shortly thereafter, Brenda and I got married, and um, we lived out here for about uh, four and a half, five years. In, uh, and, and this is where I met Matt and uh, managed at, I was a manager, uh, general manager of the restaurant here. And then we moved back to Indiana and we started our own restaurant. And all told, I ended up about 14 years in the food service industry. And then life has a way of interrupting things. Because in, uh, it was now 21 years ago, I was in a head-on car collision and um, nearly lost my life. And out of that time, I ended up with permanent, uh, some permanent nerve damage in my leg. And my career that I thought was solid, and that's what I was going to do because I loved that industry. I was going to do that the rest of my life, and my career really shifted and took a different direction. And um, I ended up um, having an accident that almost cost my life, and six weeks later, the employer that I was working for fired me. Well, you know, I can't just throw that out there without giving you background, but we don't have time for that background. So I'll just tell you that not everything that happens in your life is fair. And not everything in your life that happens is actually going to uh, feel good in the moment. Some of those things, some of the worst experiences of your life will serve to inform the person you will become to the good if you choose to see it at, through the filter of what can I do with this and how does this help, my next, help me in my next move? How does this inform how I will or will not treat people? Always looking through it 
through that filter. You have to be, have good perspective. Um, soon after that, uh, we bought a cleaning business. So we were in the cleaning, uh, commercial and residential cleaning business for about uh, 12 years. Uh, before we sold that business. In the meantime, my wife, Brenda, uh, we're both firstborn, so we're both kind of, uh, we're really good with each other if we stay in our lanes, and sometimes when we overlap, it doesn't go as well, and so she found her own lane in a uh, sea salt and seasoning business that she was a part of. Uh, eventually, we sold that, and throughout all of that, since I was the age of about eight years old, I had had this sense and a very clear calling in my life that God wanted me to do some stuff. What that stuff was, I didn't know. What I wasn't clear about was how did God want to use me? And I suspect this morning there, that most, if not all of you, have or are considering what is God's will for my life? What do I do? What do I do with the sense that I have that God wants me somewhere, but I don't know where it is? I don't know what that next step is. We all wrestle with those questions. We wrestle with questions like, what will I become? Where will I live? Will I get married? And if I get married, to who? Like, these are important questions. These are important things to think about. And are you going to have kids? And if so, what will they be like? These questions are, are, are relevant for you, and I'll tell you that they're still relevant in my life, and I'm pushing 60, and I'm still asking questions. I'm still curious. I still want to know what is God's call on my life going to be? Is it going to shift? Does it change? What is the next thing? In my life, because recently I was made aware of a survey or a research project that was done that said that, that if you stay engaged in life, you will actually have your best decade in your 80th year. Like the eighth decade of your life can be your most fruitful, your most effective decade of your life. And I heard that and I was like, yes, I still have my best days in front of me. And I look at you guys, and none of, most of you have not lived two decades yet. That'd be my guess. Most of you haven't lived two decades yet. And I'll tell you, when you're almost at six decades and older, and you begin to think back over the course of your life, and how has God informed every step of the way, it's an amazing process. But the, 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 the thing you have to keep front and center that I've had to keep front and center is to keep my filter of how does this inform my life next? Have that filter on because unless that filter of, of uh, right perspective is there, you will become bitter and you will become critical and you will become people that you never dreamed you would become because life has a way of taking you down turns and curves. It's never a straight line. It's always filled with crooked turns here and there and accidents. It, it is filled with uh, cancer diagnosis. That was the last thing I had to deal with was in January of 21, I was diagnosed with cancer. So I had that journey to go through. And once again, was it easy? Uh, no, it wasn't easy. And a part of it was that... Um, 
you know, we had just dealt with COVID for two years. And, well, at that point it was a year, but, but the extreme pressure of leadership in the middle of a crisis, a, a worldwide crisis, and then boiling it down to the local level where you have to make decisions that no one likes. No one is appreciating your leadership at that point. So it seems, again, what is reality? Reality is many people were very affirming, right? What sometimes you don't know is that there's a low-grade level of stress happening in your leadership. And you may feel it right now today. You may be feeling a low-grade level of stress because, well, I don't know what happens next. What happens in two months, three months, four months? And then there was this, I didn't know that I was dealing with this stress. I thought I was managing life pretty well. I thought I was making decisions pretty well. My leadership team was very supportive. They were with me. My team was with me. We were headed the right direction. And then a team member uh, makes a decision that uh, totally threw me off. Made a, uh, you know, did something that was, that, that in, under normal circumstances probably would not have triggered this. But I had my first ever and only, hopefully, ever, full-on, two-and-a-half-hour panic attack. And I was incapable of telling my brain or telling my body what my brain knew. Because I, I, I experienced this thing as almost of an out-of-body experience. If you've ever had one, you know what I'm talking about. When your brain tells your body something, and, and I don't have the scientific language around this, but when your brain tells your body something, and then you intuitively know, no, that's not true. That's not true. And that's what I was doing in my mind. I was telling my brain or telling my body, that's not true. That's not true. But my body was already convinced that it was true, and it acted accordingly. And so for two and a half hours, I was in a debilitating position, not knowing how to move on. It just so happened that it was on January the 6th, and I just didn't have the TV on while I was trying to recover, but as I was recovering, I turned the TV on just to see our capital being overrun. And it was the most, like, it was just so bizarre. Like, this culmination of events sort of in the middle of this national or worldwide crisis of COVID. And I once again had to sit back and go, all right, take a deep breath. What is God calling me forward into? What, is, what, what do I do now? Is there anything I do now? When you are prepared for your next step, when you do the work of preparation, you can spend a lot less time thinking about yourself and you can spend a whole lot more time thinking about those in front of you. If you're unprepared for moments that call you forward, for moments that ask you to do the next big thing, or just the next step in front of you, if you're unprepared, 
My, my sense is, and my, my learning is, that I will spend a lot more time thinking about myself in those circumstances because, well, I'm worried about all the things about myself if I'm not prepared for that moment. And if I am prepared, I can look out and I can say, okay, who needs me right now? How can I be a catalyst for the next thing in that person's life, for the next opportunity in that person's life? How can I help in that moment? What you guys are doing right now is you're in preparation mode. It doesn't mean you can't do and act and work at your future now, but you're, you've taken the time to prepare. You've taken the time to get ready for whatever you're going to do next. I think, and I believe, in my life, it has always been about uh, preparing every day. And one of, the, one of the ways that I do that uh, is, is by a consistent daily um, prayer that is Psalm 51.10, which is simply creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's one of the primary um, uh, habits, disciplines that I have in my life that sets my mind right. Sometimes it's as simple as that. And you know what? I don't just have to say it in the morning. I have to say it before I go into my next meeting, my next conversation, because you know what? There's a lot of debris that comes along with conversations. That's a lot of my work is talking, conversations. There's a lot of debris that comes along with that. And so there's this consistent prayer in my life is creating me a clean heart. Creating me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Let me go into this next conversation. Let me feel them. Let me feel the spirit that is in the room. Let me feel this person. That's when I find that my conversation is the best. That is when I am able to hear well. That is when I am able to listen well and then respond. I want to tell you too that, that part of the journey for me in the preparation of who I am today and who I'm still becoming has been the people around me. One person in particular was the most, uh, bar none, the most influential outside of my parents in my life that, that was an organic mentor. He never came alongside me and said, I'm going to be your mentor from here on out. No, he didn't. He came alongside me and took interest in my interests. He saw some things in me that I had no clue were there, and he started drawing them out. I didn't know he was drawing them out, but he was inviting me into his inner circle. He was inviting me into conversations, and it was a mentorship that was one of those best-case scenarios where we were both, uh, we cared for each other. He cared for me a lot more than I cared for him. I know that. Now, I didn't know it then. He saw things in me that I never saw in myself until he pulled them out of me and exposed me to what could be. So get yourself a good mentor. Come along, like, be that, if maybe at some point, you may, and maybe you already are. One of the best experiences of my life were mentoring a little 10-year-old boy. And I was a whole lot older than him at the time. But put yourself into situations where you get to practice on other people, where you get to speak into their lives. You don't have to be 60 years old and begin this process. 
you can begin right now. Take advantage of the, the places that you've already been acclimated to, the people you know. You have tons of resources in front of you. Take advantage of those. Be an encouragement and invite other people into your life. And then position yourself. That's my, the, so prepare and position. Position yourself. When you position yourself, you are, you are simply saying, be curious. Be curious. See, we often ask, what's God's will for my life? How am I going to figure this out? How am I going to know what he wants me to do? Don't stress out about that. Can I just tell you, that is not worth five minutes of your time. Seek after God. Ask him to fill you with his spirit, to inform you, to, to direct your life, to give you guidance, and then step into the next thing. If you sit around and just navel gaze for years on end and try to figure out God's will for your life, you'll be right there in 5, 10, 15 years. And you'll be doing things that you don't want to do because you've never trusted God to say, all right, I think I can take a step and he's going to actually honor that step and he's going to show me as I go. Now, I... Brenda and I have always been risk takers, risk takers. So we, we don't, we're not scared of starting things and we're not really scared of failing anymore because we know that we learn a lot through those failures as long as they don't cost us too much. Uh, that's no fun when you lose a bunch of money in the process of failing. But some of our best learnings have been through those failures. And so I would just tell you to take a risk. And I know it's easier for me than it is for somebody else to take that risk. But you can take, a, I don't care what your personality is, take a small risk. Take, take a step that would seem to me or somebody else that's a little more, uh, risk, more of a risk taker, it might seem to us like, well, could have done that five years ago. Well, just take a small one. If you're not comfortable with it, take a small one. Experience a small risk and a win and then keep going. Don't be stagnant. Don't spend all of your life trying to figure everything out. You'll figure it out as you go. And hopefully, hopefully, you'll figure it out and you'll have great experiences in the process. Um, someone uh, years ago, I think maybe it was Eleanor Roosevelt, said something in, in the line of uh, nothing. Well, we often hear the phrase, nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. And I've used that before. Well, nothing is wasted if you learn in the process. Everything is wasted if you don't learn your lessons in the process. So risk and learn, just risk and learn. Uh, be flexible. So in the process of positioning yourself, be flexible. Be curious and be flexible. Say yes whenever possible, but then sometimes you have to know when to say no so that you can say a better yes because not everything you say yes to is going to pan out and not everything you say yes to are the things you should say yes to. So again, hear it through the filter of Jesus speaking into you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit of God in you. That is the, he's the ultimate informer. He is the ultimate voice in your life. And if you listen well, he will tell you. Sit with him. Sit with him. Sit with Jesus and ask him questions. And see how the Holy Spirit will inform the answer to your life. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too great. He wants that relationship. Most of the time we do a lot of talking. I'm the chief sinner among you when it comes to doing a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. 
and I have made a habit of trying to switch that because my mind tends to wander and, um, and then I begin to wander a lot about a lot of things. And so it often brings me back to, okay, here's what I need for the next step. Prepare yourself, position yourself, and finally, begin to produce. Produce. If you've positioned yourself and you've prepared yourself, then you, the natural outcome of that will be production. And I don't mean like begin producing widgets and all sorts of things like activity. No, uh, it may be, may, may be that. But more importantly, begin producing and reproducing yourself and what God has done in you. Lead with humility. Humble leadership does not mean weak leadership. If you've watched leaders at a national level, if you've especially in the political realm and unfortunately in the church world, you've seen a lot of mismanagement of leadership. That doesn't have to be the way that you lead. It, I hope it isn't the way that you lead. I hope you can lead from a place of humility and with humility comes great strength. Ask questions before making statements. It's a key part of producing. You can make a lot of assumptions about a lot of things, but if you can ask a few questions and gain understanding, sometimes that really serves to uh, bring you alongside people. Your influence grows when you ask questions. Your influence is diminished when you make statements. Be generous with the benefit of the doubt. As you're producing, be generous with the benefit of the doubt. As you produce, you're going to run into a whole lot of people who will make a whole lot of assumptions about you just as you're tempted. All of humanity is tempted to make assumptions about each other. And when we ask the questions, we can gain understanding. And when we ask the questions, it also uh, communicates that we are giving the benefit of the doubt. That is, is so key to your success is allowing for differences and asking questions and giving a benefit of the doubt. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 is the other prayer that I pray multiple times, typically multiple times a day. Because it reminds me of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount when he called us to be the light of the world. He says, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. That's who you are. You... No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Here's my prayer, and I, I usually pray it in the King James. And I, I say something like, let my light so shine, and I, I change some of the words to reflect this is a prayer of my own. Let my light so shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify you, my Father in heaven. Again, life is difficult. Life is not a life, life a real life is not a life without suffering. It is not a life without pain. It is not a life without difficulty. How you deal with that, how you incorporate your faith into your everyday life 
Like if it isn't in alignment, if your faith isn't in alignment with your daily life, if you're out of alignment, you know what happens to a car when it's out of alignment. Like it's, I had, here's the thing, I had a small Datsun back in the day. And it was a rattle trap of a little car. It had holes in the floor. And it shouldn't have been driven, and today it wouldn't be driven, but then it was. And it was the dead of winter. And I remember uh, driving down the street on Whit, uh, Madison Street, which our church is on now, driving down that street, and, um, and I had to brake. And the car, I was kind of driving like this, and the car was... Uh, the wheel was like this, and the car was shaking so bad when I, sh- when I braked that I had to, it actually jumped up on the curb, and I landed on the curb <laughs> with this little Datsun. That's how bad it was out of alignment, and that's where you'll find yourself. You'll find yourself up on the curb, and it's going to be difficult to get off if you don't stay in alignment with your faith and your, and your real world, your, your life that you're living here on earth. It needs to be in alignment with who Jesus says you are. If that's the case, if you prepare and if you uh, position yourself, you can go to the next thing of producing and you'll do it with success. Dallas Willard uh, was interviewed about a year before before he died. And this interviewer said, if a person wants to grow spiritually, by the way, Dallas Willard, you may all be familiar with him. I'll just say that, um, that Dallas Willard is like the foremost authority in spiritual growth and uh, sort of the disciplines of a spiritual life. He wrote many, many books. Um, he, uh, he was asked, if a person wants to grow spiritually, what would your advice be? Where should they start? And after giving it a lot of thought, he responded with this sentence. He said, do the next right thing that you know you ought to do. Do the next right thing that you know you ought to do. Here was a man who had spent his entire life in learning and teaching others how to pray, how to meditate, how to read scripture, how to apply this scripture to your life, how to fast, how to seek, how to influence, and how to be in silence and in solitude. And his words were, do the next right thing you know you ought to do. So this morning, I wonder what is God calling you to do or to stop doing Who is he leading you to meet with, to call, to write to? Step into the next right thing. Finally, Psalm 37, 3, or 4, has has informed uh, in recent, um, I would say in the last year, this scripture has become, last two years, this scripture has become really, really powerful in my life. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. You've all heard that God will give you the desires of your heart. How has that practically worked out in your life? I'll tell you the way it's practically worked out in my life is that in 2008, I was on staff at Maple City Chapel and I would drive past the, this church at the corner of 5th and Madison in downtown Goshen. It was a beautiful old building and uh, I had heard stories about how in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, uh, older congregations, dying congregations were, being, uh, were giving their buildings to young, uh, enthusiastic, new expressions of faith. And I thought, wow. That old Lutheran building there, I would love to do church in there. I may have said it. I don't, I think I might have said it. I was by myself and I was just, God took that expression of a desire of my heart and I forgot about it. And 10, 11 years later, 
I get, an, I get a Facebook message that says, hey, a lady in my office just told me, and this is somebody that I didn't even, had never met personally, but she, text, she sent me a message on Facebook and said, a lady in my office goes to the Faith Lutheran Church at the corner of 5th and Madison, and she just said that they're going to vacate that building, and I just thought you should know. At this point, our congregation is meeting in a theater downtown Goshen, and that's where we launched, and that's where we were for two years. This message comes to me, and I was not driving at the time, or I might have driven off the road, but it was, uh, it was the sort of thing where I immediately called the pastor at Faith Lutheran and said, hey, I would like to talk to you about this. Long story short, um, that was in the... Uh, that was in 2018, and in September of 2019, we closed on that property just prior to having to vacate the theater in order for us uh, because of construction that was going on there. The delights of your heart come about in times when you least expect it. I'd forgotten about that. I hadn't remembered that. Most recently, I have been considering what is my next thing in life? Like, the position I'm in right now, I'm leading a church, I love it, but, you know, what's the next thing? What is my seventh decade, and what's my eighth decade look like? And so I've been considering doing some life coaching. And so, again, I did not spend time in prayer saying, which, by the way, I'm not giving you an excuse not to pray. I'm just telling you that sometimes God, God is, it, prayer is more than going into your closet and praying. Prayer is more than that. Prayer is all of your life. Prayer is the thoughts that you have. Prayer is in all things if you allow it to be. And God hears you whether you speak it verbally or not. God knows your thoughts. And so I'm thinking life coaching, life and leadership coaching. I'm doing a lot of that. I wonder how I could make that work in my next, my next life, in my next stage of life. And so, and so I get a phone call in January of this year. Hey, I've got this project with a local company that I need help with. And, um, and I wonder if you'd be interested in hearing about it. Long story short, this past week, um, I have now been, since January, been uh, life and leadership coaching with a local, uh, in our area, in Elkhart County, RV business is huge. Uh, it's one of the primary businesses in our area. And uh, they have been uh, accustomed. People that work in the RV industry have been accustomed to being kind of just run through, not treated well. And this particular company has decided, oh, we should make an investment in people. And so I now have the opportunity to sit with people and hear them and encourage them and uh, doing it in the workspace. And these people, most of them will never come into my, they might show up at church someday. But that's not the point of the conversation. That's not the point of the relationship. The point of the relationship is to continue to produce what I've experienced in my life, to produce it in other people, because I believe that as I interact with them, even though I am not preaching to them verbally, my life speaks for itself, and I, I get to listen, and I get to ask questions, and I get to say, how about this? What about that? Did you ever think of this? And lo and behold, relationships begin to develop. And so if you never get to preach, if you never get to stand up in front of people, talking to people, what you can do is position yourself well and prepare yourself well so that you can produce in every arena of your life. I haven't given this talk before, and so I feel like I could just uh, say a lot more, but you need to stand so I can pray for us and you can get to your class.
or whatever you do next. Father, I'm excited to see uh, these young, fresh faces in front of me, and I'm uh, excited to see uh, what you might do as they give their lives to you, as they continue to just daily uh, make this commitment to walk the way of Jesus, to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, to allow your spirit to do a deep work in each one of them. God, now as I look at all these, at, at these kids, like I, I know that many of them haven't had experiences that have been um, maybe super detrimental to their lives. Maybe their lives have been really, really fantastic, but God, I know that in front of them right now are circumstances that will impact them, and God, would you just allow them to experience those in ways that will bring fruit in their lives and not bitterness and not a critical spirit, but allow those things to shape them in beautiful, wonderful ways that they would see your kingdom come in their life and in their community. Let them be the, the people, the future leaders that will inspire those around them, that will come alongside people and show them the grace and beauty and mercy of Jesus. God, would you even now, as we're gathered here, well, just if there are voids in their lives, if there are things, holes in their lives, like things that, that don't feel fulfilled right now, God, even now and in the days ahead, kind of reveal those things to them. Let them experience your healing balm in those places that are already painful. And God, may your spirit just continue to be powerful in this place. We love you and are so, so grateful. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. And be sure to check out our other podcasts at rosedale.edu slash podcasts.